Hey everyone, so thank you so much for coming to the fourth episode of Glass Firmaments. Um, so far we have a pretty interesting episode. My friend Diana and my friend Miller came on, um, not to mention that this is a part of a larger conversation I think I'm going to start having over on YouTube. Um, that's at youtube.com slash doorwaypathway. As of the time I'm uploading this, there is no working title for the video series, <laughs> but it's going to be a series of interviews having to do with that intersectional aspect of not only just professionalism, but you, um, spirituality, content creation, all of that stuff. So we're going to get a pretty in-depth view, and who knows, it might be the start to more content. Um, special thanks to Joshua and Jules for having these conversations with me. And also thank you to Miller and Diana who came on to, for this recording. <laughs> um, yeah, as you'll see, Miller and Diana provide interesting contrast as far as their perspective goes. And then when we talk about Jules and Joshua, who I'll be re uh, I'll be uploading their interviews within the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it, the whole conversation I gave everyone the same base pieces, but the talks came out so differently that I think this warrants more exploration. Um, so feel free to let me know what you guys think. Um, I also have an email for um, <laughs> a professional email. So you guys could reach out to me at gmail.com or blah. Wow. I'm in YouTube space. <laughs> you guys could reach out to me at doorwaypathway at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. I know a lot of y'all are on my Instagram and are already plugged in that way, but. Thank you guys so much for supporting me. Um, it really means a lot. And enjoy this episode. And um, basically, this is part three. <laughs> um, this is going on two, three hours. So whoever's listening to this still, like, good on you. Um, it's a really intense conversation. And yet so simple, because, like, gender, identity, and all of that, like, it's like we will really just repeat a lot of the same stuff. Um, but I brought on my friend Miller and <laughs> um, both of us are bisexual pagans. So <laughs> what up, what up? <laughs> Make of that what you will. But we were just talking about um, the coming out process and the whole dynamic around that. And do you want to repeat, like, or do you want to go on the same tangent that we were kind of like? Yeah. So I, I think that two, two unique things about being um, queer in any, you know, any part of the, of the acronym, any representation of the acronym and things that we don't even know are going to be added to the acronym at some point. But the coming out process is really, especially like when you, 
when we feel the need to do it for like new, new, new people that we meet, or, you know, even people that we do know in our like family lives, it's really to make them more comfortable. Um, it's at least that's what it feels like to, if you are able to announce what you are to the room, then the cis straights, mostly cis straight whites will get some comfortability from that. And then therefore that, that makes that space now comfortable. And then we talked about the, the skill set required to be able to disarm and charm people. So if you take the focus off of, I guess, the uncomfortability of a situation and focus it on yourself and then make that relatable somehow to um, a straight white person, yeah. that assists straight white person, then that by making them comfortable, you then again, create a comfortable space in that in then now that you can occupy as a queer person or as a person of color even um it's it's very wild i imagine you know for you it's it's even it's two levels of spectrum that have to be played with in that you know in that dynamic versus for me i for the most part look like a look like a straight a straight white Yeah, and I think what's interesting, and I wish I could have more people talk about this, and this may be like an ongoing series of just like snapshots at what people consider gender to be like, or gender, sexuality, and that entire those set of spectrums. But right, um, something that I mentioned to Diana in the last part that I will bring up here is verily bitchy let me double check (laughs) yeah verily bitchy on youtube um she does a lot of content around sexuality and media representation Mm -hmm. and she specifically talked about the structure of coming out and basically well gender binary first of all because that's a really important part um the idea of not falling into either straight or gay or um man male female as far as gender goes like that structure serves to keep people on either end happy because they feel like they could justify their existence without it being perceived as a choice right i that's interesting because there are a lot of like back in the day i will i still am of this mindset i am and you whoever wants to come for me in the comments or the whatever you know at hermetic.arts come at me everybody's gay i'm sorry um i don't care um if you think that you're the straightest straight out there or the gayest gay and that you know uh if you're a gay man you know vagina is icky and gross and da, 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 da. i refuse to believe that there's such thing as a one or a 10 on the Kinsey scale. I believe that everybody is a two through an eight or a two through a nine. And I think that the more that we have these conversations, that's, so the whole reason I brought that up is it does percent of millennials and like 50 something percent of, of Gen Z identify as LGBTQ plus like that. it's interesting how existing in that liminal space of sexuality can really challenge other people. And it does make people uncomfortable. Yeah. It really does. Um, 
the whole reason I brought it up was because she talks specifically about the bicycle and how many bisexuals find themselves in periods of <laughs> I know I'm sure it's going to be interesting like with uh and anybody that I see especially if I the next person that I interact with is female I'm gonna have to be like you know I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie and just and just be like hey like the last person I dated was a guy yeah. And before that, I didn't date anybody for a really long time. I had like, I'm also weird. And like, I'm a young person who had a, like a five-year bout of celibacy, um, both unintentionally and then intentionally, like flipping it, kind of like owning it a little bit after recognizing it. And I, I almost yeah, thought for a second, I was, I had, well, I thought for a second, I had like a bout of asexuality, but I was definitely still a sexual being. I just wasn't partaking with anyone else so i don't actually something else that came up in bitchy's video (laughs) oh that that name god i'm getting canceled (laughs) but her video specifically talked about how asexuality can even be like a level to that extent because i think that it can be a i think asexuality can be a symptom of trauma yeah I mean, not even just that. Like when you I don't want to say that all asexual people are just like traumatized individuals. I don't I don't mean to say that. I think personally for personally for myself, when I look at my celibacy, especially in the beginning of that five year period, that was definitely due to trauma. Yeah. It was just like the shutting down of of uh of that part of me like for other people so it was and i think that was also like a lesson in like loving loving the self learning to love the self and like not just like love like gushy squishy love like <laughs> fall in love with yourself like fall in love with your body fall in love with every part of yourself again yeah and i think what's interesting with my perspective is like i didn't realize i was by till i like well i should have known in high school but Same. I, like I was in denial for like it's confusing I would say especially in the society that we grow up in especially in the south for someone who is um someone who is bi but loves or uh, experiences female affection first so like for me I didn't experience male affection especially where I <laughs> just where I grew up but also like I had girlfriends. And so when I had my first, like looking back in in therapy and looking at like my first, like feelings for boys and wanting to explore that I was, it was extremely confusing because I'm like, wait, but I, but I like girls. And I, and we were also taught that bisexuality wasn't a thing, that it doesn't exist, that gay is a thing, but, but you know, shameful. Yeah. And Arkansas, Texas fucking (laughs) bullshit. But but yeah, like I th- that was really confusing for me. That was a lot of like my internalized homophobia and like weird like shit was I like girls, so I'm not gay. And I would like be like, I'm not gay. I can be like, and be so mad, but then be like, oh my God, I'm experiencing these other things and feeling these other things, like especially later in college and things like that. Um, and yeah, there's no like, Oh, there needs to be like a book for like eighth grade, like eighth grade boys and girls need to take home this book, like at the end of like eighth grade before high school. And it's like, here are all the things like, <laughs> here are all the things that you might be feeling right now. And it's okay. And like, but I don't know. Guys sex ed helps. 
And also this brings me to another our sex that did not help. <laughs> yeah, but when you have like actual morals instilled in sexual education instead of whatever the fuck religion is about. <laughs> we didn't do condoms, we read a book and we had a workbook to fill out. Yeah, just like don't do it, you'll be fine. <laughs> Literally like don't hold hands because you'll get chlamydia and die. <laughs> like <laughs> so growing up like right outside new york i was exposed to a lot of that stuff but it was like a lot of social pressure around me first of all i didn't understand why every straight guy and their fucking mothers talks about <laughs> talks about women so boldly <laughs> like um have you ever interacted with an another a guy who perceives you as passing and then just like overshares his sexual experience. You know, like what? Like he just like, oh, I was just like giving it to this girl the other day, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, yeah. And I've had, I've even had people like in my family, like, or like, yeah, family or like near family just say things that are completely inappropriate because they think, I don't know why the straight, I'm going to call them the straights. I don't give a fuck. The I don't know why the, <laughs> yeah, the breeders are like, Oh yeah, like that, like block. Rebecca's a cum dumpster. Like she just loves it. And I'm just like, gross. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, thanks. Like, thanks for that image. Like, I, you know, I go to church with this person, but okay. Like, um, it's it is weird. Like how it's also why, um, and I'm not and has been available for however long, because I don't, I don't fantasize about putting my foot on someone's face while i fuck them from behind and then spit on them it like really like that freaks me out more than anything that like people think that's like what like my most intimate moments do not look like that and i i like things to be a little rough sometimes but i don't like i just i think that's it's degrading it's like it's it doesn't that's there's a difference between sex and fucking and all this and then like it sounds so cliche but like the whole making love thing like i i think it's hilarious back in the day when people used to say that but there is a difference and like the stuff that is on Pornhub's main page is not it y'all it's real scary like, like i even have to like i like i have to like if i'm gonna watch straight porn and i don't watch porn a lot either but if i'm gonna watch i have like a very specific thing that i will type in because i know that it's like somebody cooking breakfast and then like <laughs> she takes it to like or he or she takes it to whoever in the bedroom and then they like, have sex and it's not like spit in my mouth like <laughs> i fucking hate that it freaks that's like freaking it freaks me out even thinking about it i like understand the degree to where that could be kink but right i can great porn has a lot of abuse associated with it especially within the context of like not only do sex workers have unfair treatment, but they're like the entire industry is basically suffering because America's too Christian to do shit about it. Well, also, I mean, the guy who created Pornhub, um, he's a genius, actually. In my like, just from I mean, kind of something companies. <laughs> it's like, well, the, but the guy who like created it to begin with, like, they don't put anything on the site it's 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 youtube for porn so like they and they don't have to 
manage like what goes up so people people were really frustrated like you know where the adult film industry was booming in like the you know even late 2000s as soon as like Pornhub and things like that really took off and people could pirate and rip move uh like you know 45 minute full-on dvds that people used to pay 35 bucks for a pop then like then sex workers really didn't get any money and then they had to start doing even worse stuff it like it really is like a horrible cycle of like abuse and it's based on dollars um i love how Pornhub came under fire and it was just it was literally only them and only that one website that did Meanwhile, the entire company owns basically the entire free online porn industry. Right. And well, the up there, people are uploading their own content on Pornhub so quickly. There's no, it's faster than YouTube. Yeah. Like there was a whole Amazon uh, or Audible Originals, like a uh, docu-series on Pornhub and like how it affects sex workers and how it affects uh directors and writers and the entire i mean it's the entire industry it's taking a huge dive i remember i was shit i forgot if it was epi or global health or something but i was in class and i i I saw this article that a florida legislator was trying to call pornography a health epidemic (laughs) like this was like two three years ago so 2017 ish oh shit that's more than two years ago (laughs) four years ago um i mean it definitely has it definitely has potential health uh negatives for sure including like ed is a big thing for for men erectile dysfunction because of like lack of stimuli i think that also goes to the objectification of women and that's actually why i don't personally like straight porn as much like it just feels so it just feels so ingenuine to the woman and it's just it's not like any sexual experience i've ever had with a female so yeah (laughs) why why why? twitter is a shit but um yeah, that was a little dirty side tangent. I, I kind of wanted to also talk about the unpacking of masculinity too, because I mean, that wraps around this whole conversation. Like I imagine growing up in Arkansas, you saw similar stuff to me where it was, if you don't fall in line with either sports guy or, well, really that's it. <laughs> sports guy or car guy, you're just gay. Right. I, I would say, so I went to high school in Texas in Texarkana, Texas, East Texas. And uh, the difference between my freshman year where I was a new kid, one, definitely an emo kid, like an OG emo kid. Um, the people that I hung out with that year were, uh, I don't know, easy targets, so to speak for like the word, you know, the FAG word and a lot of stuff because I mean, a lot of those guys that I even hung out with that first year would be like, Oh, like we're bi or like whatever. And that was because it was like trendy for the emo scene. And once I, you know, started kicking people's asses in the water 
and like going to regionals and getting my letterman jacket sophomore year and things like that it definitely you know i was captain of the swim team by my senior year co-captain with my buddy peter and yeah i definitely i would say even i was allowed to even be a little more myself i would say because i because i was the captain of the swim team it was like a a scapegoat or a shield or like a badge of honor so to speak that like I mean, honestly, like if you're walking around in a letterman jacket, even if you're in a member of band that went to state and got a letter, like, because that that's another, you know, they have letterman jackets too. There was a level of respect and yeah, like you, you know, you, you, you. So yeah, actually to that, I was, and I guess this is in a different vein, but I was in track um, hmm. in high school and I wasn't, I wasn't great, but I also wasn't bad. And I just like up and toward the end of my senior year, I just quit. <laughs> like I just dropped, like left track, um, left the church and then just started practicing magic, smoking weed and like dating guys. And like, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> that's just chaos. And it's also funny how, um, like I was saying earlier, we are two completely different archetypes of a bisexual man. Right. <laughs> and I just find myself falling into like the way Netflix and TV tries to categorize bisexuality as this like scary, mysterious thing where this person rolls in and is just chaotic. Like Lucifer. Have you seen that show? Yeah. I love Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer, like, first of all, Tom Ellis is just... <laughs> he's, be he's beautiful. He really is. Beautiful, super tall, though. He's, like, super tall. But, uh, yeah, that's, like, I would say, like, M Lucifer and Maeve are the chaotic toxic bisexual male female like I, don't that. <laughs> I mean yeah i don't so but i don't i don't know i also don't consider lucifer super toxic because i think that lucifer the character in that show lucifer is scorpio's fuck I mean, um, <laughs> genuine like polyamory and he tom ellis knew how to play that role right um it, it's yeah it's interesting because that's like that's a dynamic that I find um, favorable and like fascinating, like the ability to have like a wife and a husband, even yeah. like and 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 not like a creepy whatever way that society makes that seem like it's wrong and bad and and horrible and it probably just because <laughs> unless we just like roll hard blue and we just like keep at it for the next like fifty fucking years. I'm not going to legally be able to have that. So like, like there no ways three people ever are ever going to be able to be like equal partners and like own a house or like do, do anything like that. Yeah, so, which kind of sucks when you think about not necessarily in a way that. Like, I think is if children are involved, it would really like, I would need like, I would need a lawyer to help me work out like legal, legal ways in which all three people could have like rights to this child. Um, even if it was my kid biologically, like if I was, if it was like me and my wife and like my husband, our husband is not married to us, but a part of our family, how, how do you make sure that that person has a say? Like, 
because yeah. they, de- they deserve a say. I also believe that like multi, like more than two people parenting, even one kid is fantastic. I, I don't think it can hurt <laughs> I think at all. <laughs> is like understanding the construct of monogamy too. Because like, even up until a couple of years ago, I didn't know I had the capacity to be non-monogamous. Right. Like now I, I'm just- it's, a, it's a lie. It's a weird, people are like, oh, I could never share another person. I'm like, you cheat on your, you cheat on your boyfriend or your wife or your husband or whatever with everyone that is in your circle. Everyone that's in your circle, you're in love with and you just don't want to fuck them. And you're, you're experiencing- I, I, it's hard to exp- I don't know how to explain it like it's not enough to say like to the people that are really close to you in your life that you're just not sleeping with that like you're not in love with those people because you are like if, if, if you really I ask anyone listening to this to truly examine like their relationships with people and especially the ones that are non-sexual that are super close to you and it's not enough to say I love that person Even from a health perspective, the five closest people to you are responsible for your health. Right. Even when you think, when you translate that to non-monogamy and everything, like you do have a really valid point. Like you're supposed to love the people that are are around you and you're supposed to feel like they are supporting you. Right. And if you're not getting that, you're not getting that. With non-monogamy and especially entering those relationships, every partner has a different setup where every person in that pairing has a different setup. And yeah, I'm not going to get into my love life. (laughs) No, I just, I think that people, we build these boxes so soon, like so early that people are so afraid to explore myself included. Like I, I really wish I had my current understanding and perspective of my needs. Um, and my desires in college. I think that there could have been a lot of experimentation, so to speak, with, with multiple partners in a, in a really healthy and sex positive way that I'm not gonna lie, is probably gonna get more and more difficult the older that we get, um, but that's okay. I also wanna, t- I wanna go back to kind of the original premise of that, what you were saying, where like a lot of bisexuals feel like they have to choose to be uh, you have to like you know eventually one day be like okay i'm in a i'm in a gay relationship but you're gonna people are gonna just be like i don't want any bisexual out there to ever feel like just because you're dating a boy that makes you gay or if you're dating a girl that you have to tell people you're straight like be proud in your liminality like and and your sexuality like it's okay you can you should be able to comfortably be like oh like if, or it's like, I don't know, it's not going to come up in conversation like that for like a, what looks like a straight couple, right? Like my best friends, they're a heterosexual couple, but one of them is queer. Yeah. And um, if I like am dating a girl, like that's a, we're in a queer relationship, even though, even if she's straight, like, and, and I think that we have to keep talking and, and, and remember when that was i think it would be so awesome though like wouldn't it be great if like you knew that like multiple members of like these heterosexual families that you grew up with like either one of those people identified (laughs) (laughs) well you know like wouldn't it like how much more relatable so to speak not even uh, that's not fair whatever oh but that's that 
that 70s show real that quick. also brings me to a point that i had earlier um the whole coming out process like i don't necessarily think that i like i have the dynamic with my family or the people around me where i feel the need to come out and even then like i haven't dated anyone long term enough to say like this is my partner but right. eventually it's going to happen and hopefully it happens with both genders and right. like if it happens with both genders at the same time that's going to be confusing as fuck for everyone but like shit i honestly think that would be so easy <laughs> to explain for me because i feel like i've rehearsed the conversation like that's the, also like that would be a great movie why has no one ever done that why has no one ever written like the bisexual hallmark movie where like he brings home two people um uh, as i said before into diana like upholding the gender binary keeps both straight and gay people secure in their identities and safe because they're the two they think they're the two superpowers right right now and i think that to be honest that's it's just not true but whatever okay so hold on i want to say this real quick that 70s show how much more relatable would kitty foreman be if you knew that kitty like had a girlfriend on the side <laughs> like you know what i mean like you'll never see that in you'll never see that in in pop culture though at least you'll not. never see a wholesome relationship that also that's a wholesome poly relationship in an american like white family bridgerton was this close <laughs> i haven't seen it don't know spoilers <laughs> oh they they shot they shot the bed like it it just didn't go well <laughs> well hold on i actually i take that back because and we canceled his ass and he deserved it but um house of cards did oh. you watch house of cards no i didn't okay oh my god so like not gonna lie the one of the only times like my one of my fantasies has been played out on screen that i've ever like no. so the president <laughs> of the united states um i forget his name we don't like him though william it's william, it's not william h macy because that's frank gallagher right yeah it's some other guy some guy that was like a bat he was like a, a dude a little boy diddler not a little boy diddler but like a, <laughs> oh my a God. Gay, i forget his name it doesn't matter um yo kevin spacey oh remember kevin spacey did bad things i do not oh kevin spacey did bad things he did bad things and they took him off the last season of house of cards but um so he's the president and then his i don't remember the actress's name that plays his wife but they're feeling it yada 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 and his like head of secret service is this guy named meacham and they all fuck (laughs) and it's like it is and he like pulls meacham in by his secret like his call like the secret service tie and everything it's just oh it was like that's the only time i've ever seen like that kind of bisexuality like that like equal he and you know like these characters just from that that season specifically like that he loves this dude he like he really really loves this dude he cries when he dies too so don't (laughs) spoilers um i needed that i'm tired of like just getting attached to characters that just die (laughs) oh it's so sad he like jumps in front of a bullet for frank it's like uh it's so sad (laughs) so yeah I got flustered watching Insatiable, which is madness because that show is horrible and the characters are gross. <laughs> I love Bob Barnard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
Bob uh, Barnard. <laughs> just I love. He is the funny. That is the one of the funniest portrayals of a late life gay in my entire life. Oh, and that show brought up a lot of questions for me too. Like, especially how many, how many adult men are queer but in monogamous heterosexual relationships? Right. They don't and they, and they go on grinder. <laughs> right. Well. <laughs> that's the thing is like if they're neat that's that's the the negative part that i think the more so the older generations are going to have to deal with because i think that we're better at pro- we're we've had the, a better tool set given to us and like therapy is just better now like to to be able to handle some of this but i think that a lot of a lot of men probably in their 40s and their 50s are um my, I had a boss in college that I had a barbecue place that I worked. I won't use his name, but um, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't even know if he's alive. Um, he like, he was a late life gay. He like figured it out when he was 40 and had like a fucking mental breakdown and he never got to be gay. He felt like, so like it, he was an old man partying like in his fifties, like every day we'd be grilling and he hired me. He literally was like, I hired you cause you're hot. <laughs> like, and like, it was a very inappropriate just because like before before the elephant in the room started and we were just like fucked at home for no reason i just remember all these old dudes hitting on me (laughs) (laughs) well and i think that like that's really it's really so his story and he had like a really young boyfriend like in his 20s as well and i was just like it's inappropriate it was like a 30 year age difference it was the kid was using him and he was also using him it was just it was just bad on all sides but um he never got to be like it was sad he never got to be like gay like he never got to like (laughs) oh my god he never got to be gay Uh, i mean it's like sad it is sad because like there's a part of me that like i didn't i didn't get to have like a full like queer college experience like a full-blown queer college experience like going to gay night like all the time and like but like everyone's everyone's experience is different and i think that i don't know there's i'm i'm just happy like that eventually like i took some leaps with regards to my sexuality and like did like explore like emotional relationships with with guys and things like that because what if i didn't and then like i become one of those people that like has to cheat on their wife and like feel this like heavy what i imagine is such a heavy and relentless amount of like shame that's built up over the years i also think it's harder to chip away at that shit when it's like when it's uh when it's that like long in the making so to speak yeah and it's sad it's not right to put back to our point about like objectifying women it's not right to put any partner in that situation alone like you're in a heterosexual and presumably monogamous relationship and also exposing your wife to x y and z right and if i'm sure that there are also people that have you know either done the work or had the conversations and their wives know that they're on grinder and that and, and that's their healthy way of doing getting that release and being discreet so to speak without bringing light to you just never you never know someone's full story but i i imagine that they're i've been also on the receiving end of like 
people sending me stuff on both apps, Tinder, Grinder, what Bumble, whatever. And it's like, oh my God, like, who do you belong to? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, who do you belong to? That's a very properly decorated house in the back of that fucking awful selfie. So like, <laughs> which, which lady? <laughs> which, I, just, I think you can you can pick out a married straight <laughs> just yeah. an observation. I just think the whole concept is so fucking tiring. Because I'm at the point in my life where I don't want to fuck anyone unless they're like, okay, I'm not going to lie. And this is going to make me sound like a narcissist. But like, I'm not going to fuck anyone if they won't worship me. <laughs> like, like, you got to give me like what I want. And well, just enough because let, let's be real. I'm like a houseplant. I thrive on a little bit of neglect. <laughs> Funny. Uh, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I came to a realization re- recently where I just like, I, I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> like I don't even identify as like anything. I just identify as tired and whoever is just going to be good company for me and like treats me right is who I'm going to like want to settle down with eventually. My thing, my the thing for me, they have to like, my two biggest things, I don't care what size, shape, color, creepiness, don't give a shit. <laughs> but you have to give me my time, like my Miller time by myself. Or I like, you know, you'll have to learn to give it to me for the rest of my life because yeah. I need it. I have yet to find a person who recharges my batteries equal to the amount that I can recharge my batteries by myself in doing my things, my, th- my stuff. I need somebody that understands that. And then two, <laughs> I need it to be easy. I'm sorry. I am too old. I know how easy a relationship can be. It does not have to be difficult. Actually, if it's if it, sometimes it has to be difficult for it to grow and, and evolve. And I get I get that. But outside of like that healthy growing pains, um, yeah, I don't care. I, I need it to be easy. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with it being uh, difficult for no fucking reason and like dealing with that level of stress. That's high school bullshit. It does not need to be that stressful. Your life is not one second sorry sorry (laughs) you're fine uh so that brings me to just a lot of awareness as to like i understand the level of like people needing space and like shit i do too but like there's also like i don't know what the fuck it is with people our age but everyone's just so fucking annoying like to date (laughs) every time i just try to settle down not even settle down just like bring something from a casual place to okay what the fuck is this and is this worth it it just becomes such a fucking headache (laughs) i just like i grew up like where you would like go on a date with somebody and then not hear for them until like maybe the next monday at school like it was not like required that she text you like if you got her to the door on friday night for your date like she was not tell like she didn't have to tell me anything i walked her like i saw her go home so like i know she's safe and then 
you know, that was also back when like text messages were like fucking 15, 20 cents a piece or whatever. And so like, I'm just, I grew up in a time where like, you, you didn't hear from people all the time. And so like this, like this weird culture of like FaceTime to sleep and like FaceTime talking to people until they go to bed and things like that, or like just being on the phone with each other. Can you like, can you imagine like if I, like if we were dating and I, and I FaceTimed you like for hours at a time every day, Oh my God. So you would be like, it would be like, you're a part, like in my life, like actually in my life without being actually in my life. I also hate that. Cause like, I'm a visual, you, you know, when we're like FaceTiming and stuff, I'm doing shit on the computer. I'm writing myself little notes. I'm doing shit over here. Like I, it, it, to me, it's just a phone call and your face happens to be there. I do, I do not care. Like I just want, I just want the vocals so that we can have a conversation. I do not need it to last forever. I feel like there's like this weird, like, I'm going to let you down vibe with a lot of people our, our age. If, if like I hang up the phone or like, don't want to have a conversation via like FaceTime or like, I don't want to text back. Like me and you are chill where I can be like, yeah, like I'm doing something and I like, I can't respond. So like, you're just sending messages into the void. Like, and you'll be like, cool. I'll talk to you later. And some people are like, Brrr. Like just fucking like fi- like rapid fire finger texting me. And I'm just like, stop. Oh my God. My friend earlier sent me 26 messages, voice messages. And I'd hang up. I would, I would fuck them up. <laughs> I would fuck them up. Fuck that. I would get so fucking mad. No one, if anyone's listening to this, it's my friend. Do <laughs> never do that to me. I'll block you. Like, <laughs> yeah i'll block you for a while and you'll have to like deal with it like god that would piss me off and i i wouldn't open a fucking one of them like (laughs) like i had like i had to keep reminding myself okay stop at three you lose (laughs) you lose your points because like i do ramble a fuck ton (laughs) well it's like if if there's a minute long a piece you've then talked for three minutes and i don't remember what you said the first minute you know what i mean like so like that's where i'm like if we're not going like like one for one, I I'll lose I will lose track. I was fucking like weaving something earlier, and um and my my brother was like, "Your rice is boiling." <laughs> I was like, "Oops, <laughs> totally forgot I was making food upstairs, like prepping rice." Oh my god, brain god. and magic is bad. That happens to me too. Like I'll get caught up in something like um, I don't know, reading Misty Come Magic and just <laughs> like <laughs> and for people listening, that's Miller's literary magazine. It's actually really like well put together, like just composition of the occult youth. Thanks. Yeah, it's a uh, that's M Y S t-i-c-u-m dot m-a-g-i-c-a-e on instagram we still have a couple copies of the debut issue which cameron wrote a whopping 10 page research paper style uh, entry for it's very very insightful um and then we've got other people uh, other another five art, uh, writers from this community that provided some stuff and uh our next issue will be dropping june 1st and yeah, 
follow us on Instagram for more information about who's going to be writing in the next issue and how maybe you can also write for the next issue. I ramble like a motherfucker. So <laughs> on pages and it's really interesting, like having a chance. And I think this is something we've both been kind of converging on with our, not necessarily our practices, but our brands within the last year. We're like bringing, bringing that religious aspect of our practices into a more mainstream and mixing it with the other intersection intersectionalities of our identity. Like with me specifically in Doorway Pathway, I'm trying to like really just branch out to more creators of color, but also have these conversations with um, white creators and unpacking dynamics there. Right. Because a lot of the times, and Raven told me to this, uh, told this to me a while ago, like a lot of love, the times love her. in our little corner and just, <laughs> just stuck with our own, just, just our own audience, but it just, it just feels separate, but equal <laughs> a lot of the time. Right. And even when you talk about queer representation in media too, um, like Ambrose Spellman, like mm. we had him for half a fucking season <laughs> and then he just gets his entire sexuality just effectively gets erased when warlocks could have sex with anyone of any gender and like they never show it on camera again <laughs> well but you did have so i will say um for, for the uh, person of color perspective, we, we lost that, but I will say you gained a very um, malicious almost look at bisexuality as well. Cause Nick is queer. Yes. Don't forget that Nick likes being tortured by both male and female demons, which was also awesome to see too. Cause right. he like you get, first of all, I don't know why they made him fuck Sabrina's dad. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just a touch to actually no i'm that chaotic bisexual i forgot the entire through line <laughs> but <laughs> it's just you get that representation out there that a lot of the mainstream bisexual community will be like no that's bad representation and it makes the rest of us look like we're some sex maniacs but I don't I know. It was a really beautiful portrayal of like struggling with like the demon, so to speak, like the, the, of, of your sexuality of like, I mean, cause he's tormented. Cause like he, he doesn't know how to express these feelings in any other way other than like subjecting himself to this like shameful, painful experience with his sexuality. Cause he can't go to Sabrina for these urges and things like it's, it is a weird, like heteronormative, like, for me, it was, I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it a little more. There's poetry to that, that whole uh, combination of scenes. But I will say, the, losing Andrew, Ambrose and having just like this prudence is my girlfriend, but like we never really see them like affectionate until like he like colds her and like dying, blah, blah. Yeah, that came out of left field. And I really right. thought he was going to like end up hooking up with someone else. But I think with I me, wanted uh, I wanted an Ambrose and and scratch. Oh my God, Loki, yeah. But sick. Nick, 
his character and now that you mention it like I could see that layer of allegory behind that whole ordeal but even even to that point you usually see a lot of I don't know queer representation in general is lacking and then bisexual bisexual representation in media is even worse Right. Well, so like they can, they can eliminate Ambrose's bisexual like storyline, but then we have a, you know, and props to him. I'm proud, but we have a trans character in Sabrina, which is fantastic. I love Theo turning into, wait, it's Theo to all. No, it's Susie to Theo. Susie to Theo. Okay, cool. I don't know why I was going to go Oliver. I don't know why I wanted to say (laughs) Oliver so bad. I was like, okay so you you have Susie to theo which is a beautiful storyline and then you have like the hog goblin which is like almost like inner like species sexual thing yeah then you have like uh harvey and roz which is like the most vanilla of of all the relationships let's be fair because harvey's like harvey's a cis straight white he's like he's boring harvey's boring I think um, I'm trying to think of other shows that have like blatant bisexual representation because they're really blatant. I feel uh, Buffy. Oh, I have to tell you something about. Buffy later. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I watched the last episode of the season of the whole series the other day, just like for just to be in my feels. Have you spike, heard spike dying. Show? Have you sh- heard of the show Are You the One? Are You the One? I don't think so. It, it was a dating show. I think it came on VH1 or something. And a couple years ago, for like the only season, this was a one shot season, they brought on an all gender, like sexually fluid cast. Okay. And the <laughs> premise of the show is that usually you have a girl's side and a guy's side. And everyone has a determined perfect match. This time, <laughs> no one knows who their perfect match is. And it's just a bunch of queer people in a house confused. Oh, <laughs> it that got, sounds annoying. It got so raunchy. But... Oh, gosh. What was your Buffy point? Oh, um, that, that's something for when we're not recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly, that should have told me, because like I... I definitely had a crush on Spike. Yeah. And, and I definitely had a crush on Angel. Pro- like, yeah, probably. Yeah. I should have known. But I also, at the same time, I'm like living for Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Eliza Dusku, who also was in Dollhouse, which was also amazing. It's just um, interesting seeing that like progression of celebrity crush too. Mm. well you get to like grow i swear to god like when the shows were like long like that you got to like and you caught them early you grew up with those people you grew like you grew you grew, literally grew up and aged and like learned to love these people like there are moments in buffy like where if i need to cry and i've like got something like almost like blocked there are episodes of that i can put on and i'll i will gush when when her mom dies the, the look that Sarah Michelle Gellar gives on the face on the couch when she gets the phone call or like when it ha- when she sees her, it's just like, uh, like pff, dead, fucking dead. Oh. Parts of parts of the musical episode, which I remember going to Barnes and Nobles and buying the CD for <laughs> Once More with Feeling, the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season five. 
fuck all of y'all. I live for it. So I was like teen generation. And I, yeah, yeah. Well, Tyler Posey's hot though too. So yeah. I get that. That's also a very homoerotic show. Yeah. And then like after that, the Vampire Diaries. And I'm still watching their world to this day. <laughs> What's still on? They So the Vampire Diaries spun off into the originals. I know. I watched all that. Spun off into, into legacies. And but like, I thought there's only been two seasons. It's on season three now. Okay, I think I've watched up to season two. Like whatever. So. Hope, Hope Michelson just, just to do whatever the fuck she wants. It's annoying. There's some annoying things about that whole uh, dimension of reality that they've created where like, yeah. same thing with Klaus. Klaus just got to do whatever the fuck he wanted. All the originals. I've only ever watched those shows for specifically Elijah. And specifically- oh yeah, also <laughs> fucking so pretty so pretty and also like phoebe tonkin i fell in love with phoebe tonkin before uh uh faith wait yeah is her name faith no yeah faith oh the mom of hope hope's mom the australian Haley. yeah this faith is in faith is who secret circle yeah 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 (laughs) which is also a show that was adapted by I, that's how i know her yeah 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 <laughs> did i just say her name from that show yes you did <laughs> that's so weird because that's what i was trying to say like that i was like written by the same person so the original oh. was a screenplay written by the same person who wrote the secret circle and the cw okay. <laughs> wow okay well yeah yeah love love they're all just they're all so fucking pretty they're yeah. all pretty the hoodoo mermaid and i are actually um like working on talking about like the new season legacies and all the witchy shows coming mm. up so um yeah for my viewers out there be on the lookout for that but i guess this was a good wrap-up because like honestly our subject was pretty straightforward um don't feel pressured to come out or not to come out um bisexuality exists Amen. Respect women? Is that- <laughs> respect women, no matter how you identify. And I mean, and respect respect all genders, but be extra cautious and respectful of how you treat women, I would say. Yeah. It's like if you have a penis, you get a pass, like on a lot of shit. So or like you perceive even perceived to have a penis. Right. Because another thing we talked about in the other episodes was like tr- other part of this episode was like transness and right um, also just for anyone who thinks that bisexuality doesn't include an attraction towards trans men and women um that's not true <laughs> bisexuality includes trans men and women because they're men and women and yeah. we're attracted to both men and women so it doesn't matter um, there's a lot of people that will say you have to be pansexual to include trans men and women. And I think that's bullshit because I don't see it. I don't, I feel like creating an exception to a, to a sexuality is that itself. Like, does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. they made a separate category to include trans people, which is exclusive. Like that, it's, it's like an exclusive category. Like correlate to that. I think it's more so um, 
you don't look for external cues of attraction. It's more like internal, like who is this person and what do they mean to me? Which, right, but it's I've gotten people like, oh, like you're bisexual, not pansexual, and I'm like, no, I trans men and women are men and women, so I'm they they are included. I think that creating a separate category is an exclusionary act because you're making them separate from men and women by doing that. I mean, there's trans people that identify as bisexual. Like, it, no, I, I'm logic, saying logic would dictate like. No, I'm saying there are people that think that bisexuals oh, aren't attracted to trans men and women. Oh yeah, or I won't mean, date trans men and women. It it's a lot of unpacking to do from the cis community. I do not all all you straight guys out there that maybe maybe want your girlfriend to like touch your butthole or <laughs> do something. Just ask them, please. Just ask them. Don't like don't create toxic or like shameful like scenarios for you and other people because you don't know how to like communicate with your partner that doesn't that also doesn't make you gay if, if you just want somebody to touch your butthole it, it doesn't like so communi- communicate with your partners please yeah it's also okay if you don't want them to touch your butthole <laughs> <laughs> that's necessary okay i'm gonna stop recording here
Hey everyone, I'd just like to reiterate that that section is only small because we have a bunch of interviews this month. Um, so the next interview I did is with my friend Miller. You guys know him as at Hermetic Arts. Um, I shout him out in a lot of my podcasts and it's about time he came on. Um, but yeah, if you want to catch the rest of these interviews or even see me and Diana, like, go through this interview again, or me and Miller go through this interview again, um, you could check it out on my YouTube. I chose to bring Miller on partially because we already had this lined up, but also because of the fact that, like, he is a good person to contrast my views on sexuality with, um... We have really similar backgrounds, and you guys should check out all of his projects. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's a little shout-out to that in this episode, <laughs> but I'm going to just let him speak, and y'all listen. <laughs> um, it's a really intense conversation, and yet so simple, because, like, gender, identity, and all of that, like, it's, re- like, we, we'll really just repeat a lot of the same stuff. Um... But I brought on my friend Miller, and <laughs> um, both of us are bisexual pagans, so... <laughs> what up, what up? <laughs> Make of that what you will, but we were just talking about um, the coming out process and the whole dynamic around that. And do you want to repeat, like, or do you want to go on the same tangent that we were kind of, like, yeah. So I, I think that two two unique things about being um queer in any, you know, any part of the of the acronym, any representation of the acronym and things that we don't even know are going to be added to the acronym at some point. But the coming out process is really especially like when you when we feel the need to do it for like new, new, new people that we meet, or, you know, even people that we do know in our like family lives, it's really to make them more comfortable. Um, It's at least that's what it feels like to, if you are able to announce what you are to the room, then the cis straights, mostly cis straight whites will get some comfortability from that. And then therefore that, that makes that space now comfortable. And then we talked about the, the skill set required to be able to disarm and charm people. So if you take the focus off of, I guess, the uncomfortability of a situation and focus it on yourself and then make that relatable somehow to um, a straight white person, yeah. the assist straight white person, then that by making them comfortable, you then again, create a comfortable space in that in then now that you can occupy as a queer person or as a person of color even um it's it's very wild i imagine you know for you it's it's even it's two levels of spectrum that have to be played with in that you know in that dynamic versus for me i for the most part look like a look like a straight a straight white Yeah, and I think what's interesting, and I wish I could have more people talk about this, and this may be like an ongoing series of just like snapshots at what people consider gender to be like, or gender, sexuality, and that, those set of spectrums. But 
Right. Um, something that I mentioned to Diana in the last part that I will bring up here is Verily Bitchy. Let me double check. <laughs> yeah, Verily Bitchy on YouTube. Um, she does a lot of content around sexuality and media representation. And she specifically talked about the structure of coming out and basically, well, gender binary, first of all, because that's a really important part. Um, the idea of not be falling into either straight or gay or um, man, male, female, as far as gender goes, like that structure serves to keep people on either end happy because yeah. they feel like they could justify their existence without it being perceived as a choice. Right. I, that's interesting because there are a lot of like back in the day, I will, I still am of this mindset. I am. And, and you, whoever wants to come for me in the comments or the whatever, you know, at hermetic.arts come at me. Everybody's gay. I'm sorry. Um, I don't care um, if you think that you're the straightest straight out there or the gayest gay and that, you know, uh, if you're a gay man, that, you know, vagina is icky and gross and da, 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 da. I refuse to believe that there's such thing as a one or a 10 on the Kinsey scale. I believe that everybody is a two through an eight or a two through a nine. And I think that the more that we have these conversations, that's, so the whole reason I brought that up is it does, I feel that my existence and why I'm so steadfast to really capitalize the B in bisexual when it comes to my existence in this life as it stands right now is I want people to question. I, I want people to be like, wait, hold on. Not only do you, they're, they're like, because they, they get confused. They're like, wait, you can, you can love, you can emotionally um, and sexually be attracted to both genders. And I'm like, yes, I'm living, I'm living proof. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually had people be like, oh my God, I've never actually met like a, a real bisexual. And I'm like, <laughs> every time, every time you look in the mirror, in my opinion, you are looking at a, at a bisexual person because too many it's, it's percentage wise right now, numbers there's it's it doesn't it doesn't make sense back in the, they would try to tell us that in the early 90s that two percent of the world's population was queer and then by the time i was in high school it was you know 15 and now jesus i think 24 percent of millennials or uh 24 of millennials and like 50 something percent of of gen z identify as lgbtq plus like that ugh it's interesting how existing in that liminal space of sexuality can really challenge other people. And it does make people uncomfortable. Yeah. It really does. So the whole reason I brought it up was because she talks specifically about the bicycle and how many bisexuals find themselves in periods of like wanting one gender over the other or like, right. and it's really interesting trying to unpack that with partners. Cause a lot of the times they're just like, oh, well, you're just gay and you don't want to admit it or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Like with uh, 
And anybody that I see, especially if I, the next person that I interact with is female, I'm going to have to be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie and just, and just be like, Hey, like the last person I dated was a guy. Yeah. And before that I didn't date anybody for a really long time. I had like, I'm also weird. And like, I'm a young person who had a, like a five-year bout of celibacy, um, both unintentionally and then intentionally like flipping it kind of like owning it a little bit after recognizing it and i i almost thought for a second i was i well i thought for a second i had like a bout of asexuality but i was definitely still a sexual being i just wasn't partaking with anyone else so i don't actually something else that came up in bitchy's video (laughs) oh that that name god i'm getting canceled (laughs) but her video specifically talked about how asexuality can even be like a level to that extent because I think that it can be a I think asexuality can be a symptom of trauma yeah I mean not even just that like when you I don't want to say that all asexual people are just like traumatized individuals I don't I don't mean to say that I think personally for personally for myself when I look at my celibacy especially in the beginning of that five-year period that was definitely due to trauma yeah. It was just like the shutting down of, of, uh, of that part of me, like for other people. So it was, and I think that was also like a lesson in like loving, loving the self, learning to love the self and like, not just like love, like gushy, squishy love, like <laughs> fall in love with yourself, like fall in love with your body, fall in love with every part of yourself again. Yeah. And I think what's interesting with my perspective is like, I didn't realize I was bi until I like, well, I should have known in high school, but like I was in denial for like. It's confusing, I would say, especially in the society that we grow up in, especially in the South for someone who is, um, someone who is bi, but loves or uh, experiences female affection first. So like for me, I didn't experience male affection especially where I just where I grew up but also like I had girlfriends and so when I had my first like looking back in in therapy and looking at like my first like feelings for boys and wanting to explore that I was it was extremely confusing because I'm like wait but I but I like girls and I and we were also taught that bisexuality wasn't a thing that it doesn't exist that gay is a thing but but you know shameful yeah, and Thanks, uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, Texas, fucking <laughs> bullshit. But, but yeah, like I th- that was really confusing for me. That was a lot of like my internalized homophobia and like weird like shit. Was I like girls, so I'm not gay, and I would like be like I'm not gay. I can be and be so mad, but then be like, oh my god, I'm experiencing these other things and feeling these other things, like especially later in college and things like that. Um, and yeah, there's no like, oh, there needs to be like a book for like eighth grade, like eighth grade boys and girls need to take home this book, like at the end of like eighth grade before high school. And it's like, here are all the things, like <laughs> here are all the things that you might be feeling right now and it's okay. And like, but I don't know. Guys sex ed helps. And also this brings me to another- Our sex ed did not help. <laughs> yeah, but when you have like, 
actual morals instilled in sexual education instead of whatever the fuck religion is about. <laughs> we didn't do condoms. We read a book and we had a workbook to fill out. Yeah, just like, don't do it. You'll be fine. <laughs> Literally, like, don't hold hands because you'll get chlamydia and die. <laughs> like... <laughs> so growing up like right outside new york i was exposed to a lot of that stuff but it was like a lot of social pressure around me first of all i didn't understand why every straight guy and their fucking mothers talks about <laughs> talks about women so boldly <laughs> like um have you ever interacted with an another a guy who perceives you as passing and then just like overshares his sexual experience. You know, like what? Like he just like, oh, I was just like giving it to this girl the other day, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, yeah. And I've had, I've even had people like in my family, like, or like, yeah, family or like near family just say things that are completely inappropriate because they think, I don't know why the straight, I'm going to call them the straights. I don't give a fuck. The breeders? I don't know why the, yeah, the breeders are like, <laughs> Oh yeah, like that, like blah. Rebecca's a cum dumpster. Like she just loves it. And I'm just like, gross. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, thanks. Like, thanks for that image. Like, I, you know, I go to church with this person, but okay. Like, um, it's it is weird. Like how that's also why. Um, and I'm not afraid to say it. I did not like a lot of the straight porn that was available and has been available for however long because I don't, I don't fantasize about putting my foot on someone's face while I fuck them right? from behind and then spit on them. It like really like that freaks me out more than anything that like people think that's like what, like my most intimate moments do not look like that. And I, I like things to be a little rough sometimes, but I don't like, I just, I think that's, it's degrading. It's like, it's, it doesn't, that's, there's a difference between sex and fucking and all this. And then like, it sounds so cliche, but like the whole making love thing. Like, I, I think it's hilarious back in the day when people used to say that, but there is a difference. And like the stuff that is on Pornhub's main page is not it y'all. It's real scary. Like, like I even have to like, I like, I have to like, if I'm going to watch straight porn, and I don't watch porn a lot either, but if I'm going to watch, I have like a very specific thing that I will type in because I know that it's like somebody cooking breakfast and then like <laughs> she takes it to like, or he or she takes it to whoever in the bedroom and then they like have sex and it's not like spit in my mouth. Like <laughs> I fucking hate that. It freaks, it's like freaking, it freaks me out even thinking about it. I like understand the degree to where that could be kink. But right, I can. Great porn has a lot of abuse associated with it, especially within the context of like, not only do sex workers have unfair treatment, but they're like the entire industry is basically suffering because America's too Christian to do shit about it. Well, also, I mean, the guy who created Pornhub, um, he's a genius, actually. In my like, just from I mean. Kind of something companies. <laughs> it's like, well, the, but the guy who like created it to begin with, like, they don't put anything on the site. It's 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 YouTube for porn, so like, they and they don't have to. 
manage like what goes up so people people were really frustrated like you know where the adult film industry was booming in like the you know even late 2000s as soon as like Pornhub and things like that really took off and people could pirate and rip move uh like you know 45 minute full-on dvds that people used to pay 35 bucks for a pop then like then sex workers really didn't get any money and then they had to start doing even worse stuff it like it really is like a horrible cycle of like abuse and it's based on dollars um i love how Pornhub came under fire and it was just it was literally only them and only that one website that did Meanwhile, the entire company owns basically the entire free online porn industry. Right. And well, the up there, people are uploading their own content on Pornhub so quickly. There's no, it's faster than YouTube. Yeah. Like there's a whole Amazon uh, or Audible Originals like uh, docu series on Pornhub and like how it affects sex workers and how it affects. Uh, directors and writers and the entire, I mean, it's the entire industry. It's taken a huge dive. I remember I was, shit, I forgot if it was Epi or Global Health or something, but I was in class and I, I, I saw this article that a Florida legislator was trying to call pornography a health epidemic. <laughs> like this was like two, three years ago. So 2017 ish oh shit that's more than two years ago (laughs) four years ago um i mean it definitely has it definitely has potential health uh negatives for sure including like ed is a big thing for for men erectile dysfunction because of like lack of stimuli i think that also goes to the objectification of women and that's actually why i don't personally like straight porn as much like it just feels so it just feels so ingenuine to the woman and it's just it's not like any sexual experience i've ever had with a female so yeah (laughs) why why why, twitter is a shit (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, that was a little dirty side tangent. I, I kind of wanted to also talk about the unpacking of masculinity too, because I mean, that wraps around this whole conversation. Like I imagine growing up in Arkansas, you saw similar stuff to me where it was, if you don't fall in line with either sports guy or, well, really that's it. <laughs> sports guy or car guy, you're just gay. Right. I, I would say, so I went to high school in Texas in Texarkana, Texas, East Texas. And uh, the difference between my freshman year where I was a new kid, one, definitely an emo kid, like an OG emo kid. Um, the people that I hung out with that year were, uh, I don't know, easy targets, so to speak for like the word, you know, the FAG word and a lot of stuff because I mean, a lot of those guys that I even hung out with that first year would be like, Oh, like we're bi or like whatever. And that was because it was like trendy for the emo scene. And once I, you know, started kicking people's asses in the water, 
and like going to regionals and getting my letterman jacket sophomore year and things like that it definitely you know i was captain of the swim team by my senior year co-captain with my buddy peter and yeah i definitely i would say even i was allowed to even be a little more myself i would say because i because i was the captain of the swim team it was like a a scapegoat or a shield or like a badge of honor so to speak that like I mean, honestly, like if you're walking around in a letterman jacket, even if you're in a member of band that went to state and got a letter, like, because that that's another, you know, they have letterman jackets too. There was a level of respect and yeah, like you, you know, you, you, you. So yeah, actually to that, I was, and I guess this is in a different vein, but I was in track um, hmm. in high school and I, I wasn't, I wasn't great, but I also wasn't bad. And I just like up in toward the end of my senior year, I just quit. <laughs> like I just dropped, like left track, um, left the church and then just started practicing magic, smoking weed and like dating guys. And like, <laughs> that's just, <laughs> that's just chaos. And it's also funny how, um, like I was saying earlier, we are two completely different archetypes of a bisexual man. Right. <laughs> and I just find myself falling into like the way Netflix and TV tries to categorize bisexuality as this like scary, mysterious thing where this person rolls in and is just chaotic. Like Lucifer. Have you seen that show? Yeah. I love Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer, like, first of all, Tom Ellis is just <laughs> he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He really is. Beautiful, super tall, though. It's like super tall. But uh, yeah, that's like I would say like M Lucifer and Maeve are the chaotic, toxic, bisexual male, female. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't. So, but I don't. I don't know. I also don't consider Lucifer super toxic because I think that Lucifer, the character in that show, Lucifer, is Scorpio as fuck. Um, it's genuine like polyamory and he tom ellis knew how to play that role right um it, it's yeah it's interesting because that's like that's a dynamic that i find um favorable and like fascinating like the ability to have like a wife and a husband even yeah. like and, and and not like a creepy whatever way that society makes that seem like it's wrong and bad and and horrible and it probably just because <laughs> unless we just like roll hard blue and we just like keep at it for the next like 50 fucking years i'm not gonna legally be able to have that so like like there no ways three people ever are ever gonna be able to be like equal partners and like own a house or like do do anything like that yeah, so which kind of sucks when you think about not necessarily in a way that like, I think is if children are involved, it would really like I would need like I would need a lawyer to help me work out like legal legal ways in which all three people could have like rights to this child. Um even if it was my kid biologically. Like if I was if it was like me and my wife and like my husband our husband is not married to us but a part of our family, how how do you make sure that, that person has a say? Like 
because yeah. they, de- they deserve a say. I also believe that like multi, like more than two people parenting, even one kid is fantastic. I, I don't think it can hurt <laughs> I <think> at all. <laughs> is like understanding the construct of monogamy too, because like even up until a couple of years ago, I didn't know I had the capacity to be non-monogamous right now i'm just it's a it's a lie it's a weird people are like oh i could never share another person i'm like you cheat on your you cheat on your boyfriend or your wife or your husband or whatever with everyone that is in your circle everyone that's in your circle you're in love with and you just don't want to fuck them and you're you're experiencing i I, it's hard to i don't know how to explain it like it's not enough to say like to the people that are really close to you in your life that you're just not sleeping with that. Like you're not in love with those people because you are like, if, if, if you really, I ask anyone listening to this to truly examine like their relationships with people and especially the ones that are non-sexual that are super close to you. And it's not enough to say, I love that person. Even you, from a health perspective, the five closest people to you are responsible for your health. Right. So, even when you think when you translate that to non-monogamy and everything like you do have a really valid point like you're supposed to love the people that are, are around you and you're supposed to feel like they are supporting you right and if you're not getting that you're not getting that with non-monogamy and especially entering those relationships every partner has a different setup or every person in that pairing has a different setup and yeah, I'm not going to get into my love life. <laughs> no, I just, I think that yeah. people, we build these boxes so soon, like so early that people are so afraid to explore, myself included. Like I, I really wish I had my current understanding and perspective of my needs um, and my desires in college. I think that there could have been a lot of experimentation so to speak with with multiple partners in a in a really healthy and sex positive way that i'm not gonna lie is probably gonna get more and more difficult the older that we get um but that's okay i also want to i want to go back to kind of the original premise of that what you were saying where like a lot of bisexuals feel like they have to choose to be uh, you have to like you know eventually one day be like okay i'm in a i'm in a gay relationship but you're gonna people are gonna just be like I don't want any bisexual out there to ever feel like just because you're dating a boy that makes you gay. Or if you're dating a girl that you have to tell people you're straight, like be proud in your liminality and and your sexuality. Like it's okay. You can, you should be able to comfortably be like, Oh, like if, or it's like, I don't know. It's not going to come up in conversation like that for like a, what looks like a straight couple, right? Like my best friends, they're a heterosexual couple, but one of them is queer. Yeah. And um, if I like am dating a girl, like that's a, we're in a queer relationship, even though, even if she's straight, like, and, and I think that we have to keep talking and, and, and remember when that was, I think it would be so awesome though. Like, wouldn't it be great if like, you knew that like multiple members of like these heterosexual families that you grew up with, like either one of those people identifies as queer. And so that relationship is no longer a heterosexual relationship in your mind. It's a queer relationship. Remember when that stopped people from donating blood? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like, wouldn't it like, 
how much more relatable, so to speak. Not even ugh, that's not fair. Whatever. Oh, but that's that, that 70s show. Real that quick. also brings me to a point that I had earlier. Um, the whole coming out process. Like, I don't necessarily think that I like I have the dynamic with my family or the people around me where I feel the need to come out. And even then, like I haven't dated anyone long term enough to say, like, this is my partner. But right. eventually it's gonna happen. And hopefully it happens with both genders. And right. Like, if it happens with both genders at the same time, that's going to be confusing as fuck for everyone. But, like, shit. I honestly think that would be so easy <laughs> to explain for me. Because I feel like I've rehearsed the conversation. Like, that's the, also, like, that would be a great movie. Why has no one ever done that? Why has no one ever written, like, the bisexual Hallmark movie where, like, he brings home two people? Well, um uh, as I said before, and to Diana, like upholding the gender binary keeps both straight and gay people secure in their identities and safe. Well, because they're the two, they think they're the two superpowers right, right. now. And I think that, to be honest, this is not true, but whatever. Okay, so hold on. I want to say this real quick. That 70s show, how much more relatable would Kitty Foreman be if you knew that Kitty like, had a girlfriend on the side? <laughs> like you know what i mean like you'll never see that in you'll never see that in in pop culture though at least you'll not. never see a wholesome relationship that also that's a wholesome poly relationship in an american like white family bridgerton was this close <laughs> i haven't seen it don't don't spoil it <laughs> oh they they shot they shot the bed like it it just didn't go well <laughs> well hold on i actually i take that back because and we canceled his ass and he deserved it but um house of cards did oh. you watch house of cards no i didn't okay oh my god so like not gonna lie the one of the only times like my one of my fantasies has been played out on screen that i've ever like no. so the president <laughs> of the united states um i forget his name we don't like him though william it's william, it's not william h macy because that's frank gallagher right yeah it's some other guy some guy that was like a bat he was like a, a dude a little boy diddler not a little boy diddler but like a, <laughs> oh my a God. Gay, i forget his name it doesn't matter um go kevin spacey oh remember kevin spacey did bad things i do not oh kevin spacey did bad things he did bad things and they took him off the last season of house of cards but um so he's the president and then his i don't remember the actress's name that plays his wife but they're feeling it yada 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 and his like head of secret service is this guy named meacham and they all fuck <laughs> and it's like it is and he like pulls meacham in by his secret like his call like the secret service tie and everything it's just oh it was like that's the only time i've ever seen like that kind of bisexuality like that like equal he and you know like these characters just from the, that season specifically like that he loves this dude he like he really really loves this dude he cries when he dies too so don't <laughs> Sorry, spoilers. um i needed that i'm tired of like just getting attached to characters that just die <laughs> oh it's so sad he like jumps in front of a bullet for frank it's like uh it's so sad <laughs> so but, yeah I got flustered watching Insatiable, which is madness because that show is horrible and the characters are gross. 
<laughs> I love Bob Barnard. <laughs> I know. Bob uh, Barnard. <laughs> I love he is the funny that is the one of the funniest portrayals of a late life gay in my entire life oh and that show brought up a lot of questions for me too like especially how many how many adult men are queer but in monogamous heterosexual relationships right don't and they they, go on grinder right well (laughs) that's the thing is like if they're neat that's that's the the negative part that I think the more so the older generations are going to have to deal with. Cause I think that we're better at pro- we're, we've had the, a better tool set given to us. And like therapy is just better now, like to, to be able to handle some of this. But I think that a lot of, a lot of men probably in their forties and their fifties are um, my, I had a boss in college that I had a barbecue place that I worked. I won't use his name, but um it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't even know if he's alive. Um, he like he was a late life gay. He like, figured it out when he was forty and had like a fucking mental breakdown, and he never got to be gay. He felt like so like it, he was an old man partying like in his fifties. Like every day we'd be grilling, and he hired me. He literally was like, "I hired you because you're hot." <laughs> like and like it was a very inappropriate. Um, huh? <laughs> Just because like before before the elephant in the room started and we were just like fucked at home for no reason. I just right. remember all these old dudes hitting on me. And then- <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that like, that's really, it's really, so his story and he had like a really young boyfriend, like in his twenties as well. And I was just like, it's inappropriate. It was like a 30 year age difference. It was the kid was using him and he was also using him. It was just, it was just bad on all sides, but um he never got to be like it was sad he never got to be like gay like he never got to like (laughs) oh my god he never got to be gay i mean it's like sad it is sad because like there's a part of me that like i didn't i didn't get to have like a full like queer college experience like a full-blown queer college experience like going to gay night like all the time and like but like everyone's everyone's experience is different and i think that I don't know. There's, I'm, I'm just happy like that eventually, like I took some leaps with regards to my sexuality and like did like explore like emotional relationships with, with guys and things like that, because what if I didn't? And then like, I become one of those people that like has to cheat on their wife and like feel this like heavy, what I imagine is such a heavy and relentless amount of like shame that's built up over the years. I also think it's harder to chip away at that shit when it's like, when it's uh, when it's that like long in the making, so to speak. Yeah. And it's sad. And it's not right to put, back to our point about like objectifying women, it's not right to put any partner in that situation, right. let alone like you're in a heterosexual and presumably monogamous relationship and also exposing your wife to X, Y, and Z. Because right. And if I'm sure that there are also people that have, you know, either done the work or had the conversations and their wives know that they're on grinder and that, and, and that's their healthy way of doing, getting that release and being discreet, so to speak, without bringing light to 
you, you just never you never know someone's full story but i i imagine that they're i've been also on the receiving end of like people sending me stuff on both apps tinder grinder what bumble whatever and it's like oh my god like who do you belong to like <laughs> like yeah who do you belong to that's a very properly decorated house in the back of that fucking awful selfie so like <laughs> which, which lady <laughs> where she, I, just, I think you can you can pick out a married straight <laughs> yeah. observation i just think the whole concept is so fucking tiring because i'm at the point in my life where i don't want to fuck anyone unless they're like okay i'm not gonna lie and this is gonna make me sound like a narcissist but like I'm not going to fuck anyone if they won't worship me. <laughs> like, like you got to give me, like, what I want. And, well, just enough. Because let, let's be real. I'm like a houseplant. I thrive on a little bit of neglect. <laughs> Funny. Uh, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I came to a realization re- recently where I just, like, I... I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> like, I don't even identify as, like, anything. I just identify as tired. And whoever is just going to be good company for me and, like, treats me right is who I'm going to, like, want to settle down with eventually. My, th- my the thing for me, they have to, like, <laughs> my two biggest things, I don't care what, size shape color creepiness don't give a shit but you have to give me my time like my miller time by myself or i like you know, you'll have to learn to give it to me for the rest of my life because yeah. i need it i have yet to find a person who recharges my batteries equal to the amount that i can recharge my batteries by myself in doing my things my th- my stuff i need somebody that understands that and then two, I need it to be easy. I'm sorry. I am too old. I know how easy a relationship can be. It does not have to be difficult. Actually, if it's, if it, sometimes it has to be difficult for it to grow and, and evolve. And I get, I get that. But outside of like that healthy growing pains, um, yeah, I don't care. I, I need it to be easy. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with it being uh, difficult for no fucking reason and like dealing with that level of stress. That's high school bullshit. It does one, not need to be that stressful. Your life is not. One second. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, so that brings me to just a lot of awareness as to like, I understand the level of like people needing space and like shit. I do too. But like, there's also like, I don't know what the fuck it is with people our age but everyone's just so fucking annoying like to date (laughs) every time I just try to settle down not even settle down just like bring something from a casual place to okay what the fuck is this and is this worth it it just becomes such a fucking headache I just like I grew up like where you would like go on a date with somebody and then not hear from them until like maybe the next Monday at school. Like it was not like required that she text you. Like if you got her to the door on Friday night for your date, like 
she was not tell, like she didn't have to tell me anything i walked her like i saw her go home so like i know she's safe and then you know that was also back when like text messages were like fucking 15 20 cents a piece or whatever and so like i'm just i grew up in a time where like you you didn't hear from people all the time and so like this like this weird culture of like facetime to sleep and like facetime talking to people until they go to bed and things like that or like just being on the phone with each other can you like can you imagine like if i like if we were dating and i and i facetimed you like for hours at a time every day oh my god so you would be like it would be like you're a part like in my life like actually in my life without being actually in my life i also hate that because like i'm a visual you, you know when we're like facetiming and stuff i'm doing shit on the computer i'm writing myself little notes i'm doing shit over here like i it, it to me it's just a phone call and your face happens to be there i do i do not care like i just want i just want the vocals so that we can have a conversation i do not need it to last forever I, mean, I feel like there's like this weird, like, I'm going to let you down vibe with a lot of people our, our age. If, if like I hang up the phone or like, don't want to have a conversation via like FaceTime or like, I don't want to text back. Like me and you are chill where I can be like, yeah, like I'm doing something and I like, I can't respond. So like, you're just sending messages into the void. Like, <laughs> and you'll be like, cool. I'll talk to you later. And some people are like, like just fucking like fi- like rapid fire finger texting me and i'm just like stop oh my god my friend earlier sent me 26 messages voice messages and i'd hang up i would i would fuck them up <laughs> i would fuck them up fuck that i would get so fucking mad no one if anyone's listening to this it's my friend do <laughs> never do that to me i'll block you <laughs> like, yeah i'll block you for a while and you'll have to like deal with it like god that would piss me off and i i wouldn't open a fucking one of them like (laughs) like i had like i had to keep reminding myself okay stop at three you lose (laughs) you lose your points because like i do ramble a fuck ton (laughs) well it's like if if there's a minute long a piece you've then talked for three minutes and i don't remember what you said the first minute you know what i mean like so like that's where i'm like if we're not going like like one for one, I I'll lose I will lose track. I was fucking like weaving something earlier, and um and my my brother was like, "Your rice is boiling." <laughs> I was like, "Oops, <laughs> totally forgot I was making food upstairs, like prepping rice." Oh my God. God. And magic is bad. That happens to me too. Like I'll get caught up in something like um, I don't know, reading Mystica Magica, and just <laughs> like. <laughs> and for people listening, that's Miller's Literary Magazine. It's actually a really like well put together, like just composition of the occult youth. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, that's M Y S. T-I-C-U-M dot M-A-G-I-C-A-E on Instagram. We still have a couple copies of the debut issue, which Cameron wrote a whopping 10-page research paper style uh, entry for. It's very, very insightful. Um, and then we've got other people, uh, other another five art, uh, writers from this community that provided some stuff. And uh, our next issue will be dropping June 1st. And yeah, 
follow us on Instagram for more information about who's going to be writing in the next issue and how maybe you can also write for the next issue. I ramble like a motherfucker. So <laughs> 10 pages and it's really interesting, like having a chance. And I think this is something we've both been kind of converging on with our, not necessarily our practices, but our brands within the last year. We're like bringing bringing that religious aspect of our practices into a more mainstream and mixing it with the other intersectionalities of our identity. Like with me specifically in Doorway Pathway, I'm trying to like really just branch out to more creators of color, but also have these conversations with um, white creators and unpacking dynamics there. Right. Because a lot of the times, and Raven told me to this, uh, told this to me a while ago, like a lot of love, the times love her. in our little corner and just, <laughs> just stuck with our own, just, just our own audience. But it's just, it just feels separate, but equal <laughs> a lot of the time. Right. And even when you talk about queer representation in media too, um, like Ambrose Spellman, like mm. we had him for half a fucking season <laughs> and then he just gets his entire sexuality just effectively gets erased when warlocks could have sex with anyone of any gender and like they never show it on camera again <laughs> well but you did have so i will say um for, for the uh, person of color perspective, we, we lost that, but I will say you gained a very um, malicious almost look at bisexuality as well. Cause Nick is queer. Yes. Don't forget that Nick likes being tortured by both male and female demons. Which was also awesome to see too. Cause right. he like you get, first of all, I don't know why they made him fuck Sabrina's dad. <laughs> <laughs> like that was just a touch too actually no i'm not chaotic bisexual i forgot the entire through line <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's just you get that representation out there that a lot of the mainstream bisexual community will be like no that's bad representation and it makes the rest of us look like we're some sex maniacs but I don't I know. It was a really beautiful portrayal of like struggling with like the demon, so to speak, like the, the, of, of your sexuality of like, I mean, cause he's tormented. Cause like he, he doesn't know how to express these feelings in any other way other than like subjecting himself to this like shameful, painful experience with his sexuality. Cause he can't go to Sabrina for these urges and things like it's, it is a weird, like heteronormative, like, for me, it was, I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it a little more. There's poetry to that, that whole uh, combination of scenes. But I will say, the, losing Andrew, Ambrose and having just like this prudence is my girlfriend, but like we never really see them like affectionate until like he like colds her and like dying, blah, blah. Yeah, that came out of left field. And I really right. thought he was going to like end up hooking up with someone else. But I think with I wanted uh, I wanted an Ambrose and and Scratch. Oh my God, Loki, yeah. But sick. Nick, 
his character and now that you mention it like i could see that layer of allegory behind that whole ordeal but even even to that point you usually see a lot of I don't know, queer representation in general is lacking and then bisexual bisexual representation in media is even worse. Right. Well, so like they can they can eliminate Ambrose's bisexual like storyline, but then we have a, you know, and props to him, I'm proud, but we have a trans character in oh, Sabrina, yeah. which is fantastic. I love Theo turning into wait, it's Theo to all No, it's Susie to Theo. Susie to Theo. Okay, cool. I don't know why I was going to go Oliver. I don't know why I wanted to say <laughs> Oliver so bad. I was like, Theo Oliver? Okay, so you have Susie to Theo, which is a beautiful storyline. And then you have like the hog goblin, which is like almost like inner like species sexual thing. Yeah. Then you have like uh, Harvey and Roz, which is like, the most vanilla of of all the relationships let's be fair because harvey's like harvey's a cis straight white he's like he's boring harvey's boring i think um i'm trying to think of other shows that have like blatant bisexual representation because they're really the latent i feel uh buffy oh i have to tell you something about that <laughs> I love I watched the last episode of the season of the whole series the other day just like for just to be in my feels spike spike dying have you heard of the show are you the one are you the one I don't think so It, it was a dating show I think it came on VH1 or something and a couple years ago for like the only season this was a one shot season they brought on an all gender, like sexually fluid cast. Okay. <laughs> and the premise of the show is that usually you have a girl's side and a guy's side and everyone has a determined perfect match. This time, <laughs> no one knows who their perfect match is. And it's just a bunch of queer people in a house confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it that sounds so, annoying. It got so raunchy. But... Oh, God. What was your Buffy point? Oh, um, that that's something for when we're not recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's honestly, that should have told me, because like I, I definitely had a crush on Spike. Yeah. And, and I definitely had a crush on Angel. Pro- like, yeah, probably. Yeah. I should have known. But I also, at the same time, I'm like living for Sarah Michelle Gellar uh eliza dusku who also was in dollhouse which was also amazing um interesting seeing that like progression of celebrity crush too mm, well you get to like grow i swear to god like when the shows were like long like that you got to like and you caught them early you grew up with those people you grew like you grew you grew, literally grew up and aged and like learned to love these people like there are moments in buffy like where if I need to cry and I've like got something like almost like blocked there are episodes of that I can put on and I'll, I will gush when, when her mom dies, the, the look that Sarah Michelle Gellar gives on the face on the couch when she gets the phone call or like when it, when she sees her, it's just like, like dead, fucking dead. Oh. Parts of parts of the musical episode, which I remember going to Barnes and Nobles and buying the CD for <laughs> Once More with Feeling, the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer season five. 
fuck all of y'all. I live for it. So I was like team generation. And I, yeah, I yeah. Well, Tyler Posey's hot though too. So yeah. I get that. That's also a very homoerotic show. Yeah. And then like after that, the Vampire Diaries. And I'm still watching their world to this day. <laughs> What's still on? They So the Vampire Diaries spun off into the originals. I know. I watched all that. Spun off into, into legacies. And but like, I thought there's only been two seasons. It's on season yeah. three now. Okay, I think I've watched up to season two. Like whatever. Hope, Hope Michelson just, just to do whatever the fuck she wants. It's annoying. There's some annoying things about that whole uh, dimension of reality that they've created where like, yeah. same thing with Klaus. Klaus just got to do whatever the fuck he wanted all the time. It's just like, okay, like now we just have to clean up Klaus's mess because no one can fucking kill Klaus. Honestly, that was literally the premise of like seven seasons of the original slash VPD and fucking uh, the originals. I've only ever watched those shows for specifically Elijah and specifically- oh yeah, also fucking <laughs> so pretty, so pretty, and, and also like Phoebe Tonkin. I fell in love with Phoebe Tonkin before uh, uh, Faith. Wait, yeah, is her name Faith? No, yeah, Faith. Oh. The mom of Faith Hope, is- Hope's mom. The hey. Australian girl, Haley. Yeah. Because Faith is in... Faith is who? Secret Circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is also a show that was adapted by... I, that's how I know her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> did I just say her name from that show? Yes, you did. <laughs> that's so weird. Because that's what I was trying to say. Like that, I was like... written by the same person. So the original oh. series was a screenplay written by the same person who wrote The Secret Circle and the CW. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Love. They're all just. They're all so fucking pretty. They're yeah. all pretty. The Hoodoo Mermaid and I are actually um like working on talking about like the new season legacies and all the witchy shows coming mm. up. So um. Yeah, for my viewers out there, be on the lookout for that. But I guess this was a good wrap up because, like, honestly, our subject was pretty straightforward. Um, don't feel pressured to come out or not to come out. Um, bisexuality exists. Amen. Respect <laughs> women. Is that <laughs> respect women, no matter how you identify, and I mean, and respect. Respect all genders, but be extra cautious and respectful of how you treat women, I would say. Yeah. It's like, if you have a penis, you get a pass, like, on a lot of shit. So, or like, if you perceive, even perceived to have a penis. Right. True. Because another thing we talked about in the other episodes was like, tr- other part of this episode was like transness and. Right. Um, also, just for anyone who thinks that bisexuality doesn't include an attraction towards trans men and women um that's not true (laughs) bisexuality includes trans men and women because they're men and women and we're attracted to both men and women so it doesn't matter um there's a lot of people that will say you have to be pansexual to include trans men and women and i think that's bullshit because i don't see it i don't i feel like creating an exception to a to a sexuality is that itself like 
Does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. they made a separate category to include trans people, which is exclusive. Like that, it's, it's like an exclusive category. Like correlate to that. I think it's more so um, you don't look for external cues of attraction. It's more like internal, like who is this person and what do they mean to me? Which, right, but it's I've gotten people are like, oh, like you're bisexual, not pansexual, and I'm like, no, I trans men and women are men and women, so I'm they they are included. I think that creating a separate category is an exclusionary act because you're making them separate from men and women by doing that. I mean, there's trans people that identify as bisexual. Like, it, no, I, I'm logic, saying logic would dictate like. No, I'm saying there are people that think that bisexuals oh, aren't attracted to trans men and women. Oh yeah, or I won't mean, date trans men and women. It it's a lot of unpacking to do from the cis communities, and right. I think what's really important is that like people just start questioning themselves a bit more, and without shame or being annoying about it, because oh, right, I do not all <laughs> all you straight guys out there that maybe maybe want your girlfriend to like touch your butthole or <laughs> do something just ask them please just ask them don't like don't create toxic or like shameful like scenarios for you and other people because you don't know how to like communicate with your partner that doesn't that also doesn't make you gay if, if you just want somebody to touch your butthole it, it doesn't like so commun- communicate with your partners please yeah it's also okay if you don't want them to touch your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> That's necessary. Okay, I'm going to stop recording here. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I know this was a little departure from the whimsical shit we normally do. But if you want to check out my guests, you could check out my friend Diana at DSFrancoX on on instagram um yeah i'm gonna try and um (laughs) incorporate this somehow into the description or those of you who follow my instagram could see her tagged in the videos coming up um you could also check out miller at hermetic.arts on instagram once again um i'm gonna be publishing my discussions with my friends joshua diana and julia jules (laughs) Um, in a couple of weeks, well, over the course of the next couple of weeks, the next one will come out next Friday. Um, each is about an hour. It's the same type of interview that I did here and yeah, covering the same topics.